Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Um, uh, more importantly, I think it's just the, you put everything in perspective. I mean, at the end of the day, I would know we played a game that we love and, uh, you know, you know, our, our, our league is all about wins and losses and, and that's what it's all about. But, you know, when you, um, have something like that happen, you're able to put things in perspective and understand how important those things are as well. And then on the, on the flip side, you just don't take an opportunity for granted when you do get on the floor, you know, cause it could be taken away from you and your, your season can be shut down like, like BI's instance and like Zoe's instance, um, like their cases. So. Um, obviously, we wish the best of health, um, you know, not only to BI, um, you know, but to Zoe as well. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Murphy's Law ain't got nothing on your 2018-19 Los Angeles Lakers, because everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Isaac Ronga. I think Troy Murphy might beg to differ, but you are not Ronga. <laughs> Alan, welcome back. What the heck? You're, you're not dead? You're alive? How's it going? I'm good. I'm not dead. I'm very alive. I missed everyone. You were almost as dead as Troy Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Troy Murphy. I hope he's actually alive. Um, I'm sure he's doing well, dude. (laughs) I'm sure he's doing well. You're right. But yeah, Alan, welcome back to the show. We've actually received direct messages from fans who have said that they've missed you. They've wondered where you've been. So that's kind of nice to hear, right? That is nice. That's it's very affirming. It makes me feel pretty good. I miss I miss you guys too. Uh, have you been gone for this long because you've just the Lakers been are bad? Fed, yeah, just because you've been fed up with the Lakers. Didn't want to have to talk about it. There may be a positive correlation, but that does not suggest causation whatsoever. Sure. Anyways, Alan. Yes. What could go wrong has gone Isaac Ronga this season. Is is there any way this could have all gone worse in your eyes? I mean, I guess things could always go worse, right? Like, in my life, I've always said things like, oh, it could have been worse. And then one of my good friends back in the day said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Stop saying that, please. I'm like, a lot of people say that. It's like, well, of course, things could always be worse. But that isn't like a comforting thought, exactly. I'm like, that's a good point. So I stopped saying that. Um, But yeah, I think things could have gone worse this season, but not by a whole lot based on what our expectations were none of us expected this to happen so yeah uh yeah i'm gonna say slightly worse (laughs) well we kind of have to pick up the pieces and 
you know, not to joke around too much because we are going to be touching upon a more sobering topic with regards to Brandon Ingram's injury tonight. But we're also going to just look ahead, look forward to the remaining dozen or so games to this season, what the summer is going to look like because things have flipped on its head with regards to our expectations. And we're just going to touch upon that. And I'm actually interested, Alan, in hearing how these last two or three months have gone since we talked last December 31st. Happy New Year. I know. Having to mentally pivot and my favorite phrase, having to undergo that paradigm shift. And uh, I've been talking to Tommy a lot about it. And believe it or not, he's not on today because he messaged me and was like, yo, I'm burnt out. I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) So, Which is understandable. I think a lot of fans are feeling that right now. And it's good that you're here to give us just another cathartic venting avenue and release. So first off, before we get any further into the show... Tonight, we're going to talk about Brandon Ingram's injury and the implications of that injury, not only for him as a human being, just fighting to stay alive and and stay healthy, but also the implications, unfortunately, on what that means for the Lakers moving forward and how that affects their strategies moving forward. And then we're also going to talk about, again, just Alan's thoughts on this season in totality and the pivot we've had to make in expectations and what we have to look forward to to end this season, summer, free agency. And then also we'll talk a little bit about the front office. Um, But before we get to all of that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more times we'll keep hearing the Clippers say, I can't believe we got Zubats for nothing. He's so good. (laughs) Just so that it'll make the front office feel even worse about themselves for making one of the dumbest trades in uh, Lakers history. So yeah, and hopefully that'll make them look inward and assess themselves properly, assess their strategies, and do a better job moving forward so that they never make another Zubats for Muscala type trade. But yeah, please rate and review us for more of that. Patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you want to donate a dollar or two dollars, it'll help us out a lot. Speaking of rating and reviews, Alan, since you're back... And since Zubots is now gone, I thought it was fitting that uh, <laughs> we'd have one last word from Zubots. And uh, maybe we can get an update from him and how he's doing with the playoff Clippers. Well, uh, you know, I miss uh, Laker Nation. Uh, you know, I talked to my father, Larry, and I kind of asked him, uh, you know, what's it like to betray? And he said... You know, you, I go to a contender last year in Cleveland, play with LeBron, and, uh, you know, it's fun, but now Cleveland suck. But at least you go to Clipper, who are pretty good. So, uh, you know, at least I get to stay in L.A. And, uh, you know, but I, I still have all my Laker jersey from 2000s and those. I never get rid of that. I don't have an Elton Brand. I don't have a Darius Miles. I don't have a Quentin Richardson. I don't have a Eric Piakowski. I don't have a Heath Kloss. I don't have a Michael Oliver Handy. So I still love Laker, but uh, now I have to shift my focus. So I join a Lockdown Clipper podcast now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, Zoo, take it away with the rating and review, or the review of the night. Okay, so uh, this comes from uh, Jason Yi 93 It says, keep up the great work. Thanks for the fun Lecha podcast to listen to. It's a good way to kill time in LA traffic. I did not know you guys were a marching band. 
We don't have that in Croatia. I don't know what that is. As a professional trumpet player and Lecha fan, you guys sure hit a neat, neat niche on that episode. Hope this gets you guys closer to uh, 300 reviews. All right, Ivica Zubats, thank you once again. We miss you. You are the GOAT. Uh, we're looking forward to watching you in the playoffs this year. I love, it. I love LA. I love basketball. Uh, all right, Alan, thanks for reading that review and thanks for bringing back and reviving the Zubats impression for us. It's not going to be the last time, right? We're still going to do it anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. We will. All right, cool. Hey, but shout out to Jason Yee. Is that his name? Jason Yee. Yeah, Jason Yee 93. Fellow trumpeteer, Alan played trumpet. So did Hells, Tommy, right? Yeah, like, nah, Tommy was a baritone horn. Baritone. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you were what again? A bass clarinet, BCLs. What, yeah, what? <laughs> baby, BCLs. All right, enough, enough of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, please rate and interview us on iTunes. We are at 303, finally past that 300 threshold, so that's good. Uh, hopefully we can get to 400 sometime. Okay, Alan, so let's shift it to a little bit more somber tone and talk about Brandon Ingram. I think this was, I thought we had reached the nail in the coffin moment of this season, but then the news broke that Brandon Ingram, unfortunately, is dealing with some blood clots in his arm. And the actual injury that he's having to deal with right now is called DVT, which is short for deep vein thrombosis. And because of that, They've had to shut him down for the season. He's probably going to have to be on blood thinners for the next couple months. And he's also not going to be able to do anything extraneous for the next, I don't know, maybe four months or so. Um, so regarding Brandon Ingram's injury, 19 athletes in the top four American leagues were diagnosed with this DVT, this upper extremity DVT. All 19 fortunately returned to play, but their average return time was about 4.3 months. Ingram is the first documented case of this DVT in the NBA. Mm. If you remember, Chris Bosh had blood clots, but that was to his um, lower body, to his legs. And I think Mirza Toledovic also dealt with DVT. And there was a period of time, actually, when Mirza Toledovic was recovering from that, that he was able to come back and play. So pretty much what happens is if you get a second case of this, you're done. And you have to focus on just your health and your well-being and making sure that you can live and survive because it could be a one-off injury. But if you get it a second time, that typically means that you can no longer do any sort of extraneous activity, play sports, et cetera, et cetera. So for Brandon Ingram, the important part is first dealing with this initial case of DVT and then from there just hoping that it doesn't happen again and that it is just a one-off case. So obviously this goes way beyond basketball we hope that brandon ingram not only physically but also mentally as well is able to make a speedy recovery i guess what were your thoughts when you heard about brandon ingram suffering this dvt injury and and just as you learn more about the injury and what it could mean because obviously we're not doctors so when we first hear this it it doesn't mean much to us outside of oh he missed the season but then finding out that it goes way beyond basketball and just his playing career and it affects his life moving forward yeah for sure um i mean i read the same like tweets or posts or whatever about the 19 cases in the four major sports is that like in terms of the time span that that was documented is that like in the history of professional sports in the united states of america 
or you know what I mean? Like that's a good point. Yeah, like because in terms I mean, of the you think of in medicine and stuff. Yeah, like does this extend all the way back to the late 1800s when like Major League Baseball began, or when exactly were these 19? When was the first case found of the 19? Right. Yeah, that I'm not sure, but I I think it's safe to assume that maybe in the last. 30 years or so. Mm, So, I mean, yeah, like regardless, it's extremely rare, obviously. Um, And the fact that it's only the first type of its kind in the NBA is a pretty staggering fact. Um, As far as my initial thoughts, it's nothing that any of us obviously would have expected, right? Like the first thing you hear is he had shoulder soreness. So you think, okay, that could be anything that could be, a rotator cuff injury that could be, um, I mean, again, we're not doctors, we're not physical therapists or anything, but just something more typical that you hear all the time. And even if you were to get shut down for the season for something like that, um, we'd be like, oh, well, that's a bummer, especially because he was playing so darn well for the last month or so. Um, and then you hear this, which is something that none of us could have anticipated. It does put things in perspective, and it really just makes you hope that um, this is something that can be dealt with through all the proper treatments and it just doesn't occur for him again. And it isn't a problem in the future. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just kind of shook my head when I read it and thought, you know, that's extremely unfortunate and that's pretty much as far as it went. And it seems like this is always the case with both Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, where it's just when they're beginning to hit yeah. a stride, all of a sudden some injury happens. This happened to... Brandon Ingram last year, right? When he was doing his point Ingram stuff and then all of a sudden he had to get mm-hmm. shut down for uh, the rest of the season as well. Obviously, this is much more severe and um, life-threatening. So that definitely, like you said, adds perspective to things. But, I mean, Kuzma said it as well. He, he was super sad hearing the news and it couldn't have happened to, you know, a better guy who all he thinks about is trying to improve. Mm-hmm. And we had actually begun to see the dividends yep. of all the hard work. More consistently than before and a larger impact too. Right. I hope that along with his physical recovery that he stays okay mentally as well because mm-hmm. I can only imagine the mental hurdles you have to go through where you're like, man, I had just begun to see things click. I had just begun to make things work. And now it's almost like going back to step one. Yeah, you're right. In terms of like being on the court and having that confidence because in terms of knowledge, like that's been there, right? But it's another thing to step on the court and actually do it. So no, I I agree with you. And even up until this point, Brandon Ingram has always been a sort of a progressive, slow learner. I think every season he's been in the NBA, the first half has always been a bit of a struggle. So you can only imagine him thinking about the long road coming back. And um, yeah, I mean, we we obviously wish him the best and um, hope he gets back on track. I don't know if it's realistic to expect him to be able to have a full off season of work at this Mm -hmm, point. Right. Um, But even if he can start doing that in September, that would be great news. And hopefully we get some, some update, you know, in July or something that the blood thinners have begun to work. And from there, like I said, with this injury, it's important that it doesn't happen a second time because in all likelihood, all these 19 players you know, in these different leagues who suffered it, they were all able to come back and play and they did not have a second instance happen. It's really the second time around where they see it as a chronic issue that you'll have to deal with for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just a one-off issue. You can continue um, playing as you normally would. And that's 
the best we can hope for for Brandon Ingram. So obviously we have his back. We're rooting for him. Brandon, get well. You were playing balls to the wall, lights out, and mm-hmm. it was such a joy to watch. You could even see it in the way that LeBron James was acting on the court and how he was responding to Brandon Ingram, just how well Ingram was playing, you know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, the other thing I was going to add is, and obviously these are two completely separate things that he's dealing with, but when it came to trade rumors, right, out of all the young core who was involved in that, who responded in the best way possible? It was definitely Ingram, right? So that's a significant form of adversity and it appeared that he was able to compartmentalize when he was playing um, all these outside distractions. Now, health is a completely different thing from a trade rumor, of course, but as far as mental fortitude, if we want to use that as some sort of indicator um, as to how mentally tough he can be, I mean, that's something that I would take into consideration as far as fighting and pushing through this, this sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. So to pivot the conversation a little bit, and I don't want to be too callous when we do this. I mean, it sucks that we have to even talk about Brandon Ingram's life-threatening injury in the context of how it affects the Lakers, but we kind of have to. But yeah, with regards to this injury now, it's not any sort of normal injury. I guess because of that fact, it also affects Brandon Ingram's, and again, I hate to say this, Brandon Ingram's trade value and maybe even value to the Lakers moving forward. He's up for extension this upcoming year and then becomes a restricted free agent in 2020. So Alan, I guess I wanted to ask you, yeah, how does Brandon Ingram's DVT injury and just the um, the gravity of it, how does it affect the Lakers' moves going forward? Because prior to this injury, you know, there was still talks of maybe the Lakers having one more go at offering up a package for Anthony Davis, especially now that they have an improved asset, quote-unquote improved asset because they're going to be in the lottery, and using that to package with, I don't know, Brandon Ingram presumably for maybe Anthony Davis. And even outside of that, even if they were going to keep Brandon Ingram, maybe they were thinking of trading their lotto pick, which will likely land in the 10, 11, 12 range this year for expedited help, for a more of a veteran. But... I think Brandon Ingram's injury kind of throws a bit of a wrench into things, and maybe that's understating it, in terms of, well, if they're not sure about Brandon Ingram's future as a Laker, are they going to be so willy-nilly about just jettisoning off their first-round lotto pick? Or are they going to be a little more conservative and say, should we just treat Brandon Ingram as a icing on the cake versus a certainty? And in that scenario... Maybe we need to try and find another Brandon Ingram at the 11 or 12 spot, you know, or someone who can give us another young potential piece versus just let's trade him for Robert Covington or a a veteran of that sort. And then in that same vein, Brandon Ingram, it seems like, is no longer even a trade ship. New Orleans is not going to want that uncertainty if they take him on, you know. And so is it even worth it at that point if you know that, yeah, maybe you'll have to still give up Brandon Ingram, but it's almost like... New Orleans is treating him like a a zero, you know, and so maybe you'll even have to give up more than you were anticipating. So back to the godfather offer of Lonzo Ball, Cal Kuzma, you're going to also send your 2019 lotto pick and then and then who knows what else, you know, maybe you have to take on salary. So in that case, it almost seems like Brandon Ingram's injury kind of halts things for the Lakers in terms of trades. So, yeah, I guess 
having gone through all that, uh, what are your thoughts on how this affects the front office and but maybe forcing them to take a chill pill, slow down a little bit, because in a way they've got their hands tied behind their back and they have to be a little more creative than they were before this uh, terrible news happened. So yeah, with regards to Brandon Ingram's injury and the implications of that on the front office strategy with draft picks, trades, even free agency, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely think that teams are going to be hesitant to trade for Ingram because it is such an unknown. And um, yeah, I don't think any of us would blame (laughs) those organizations for viewing things that way. And it's unfortunate, Um, which would mean that we would most like, I don't know, to me, the Godfather uh, package, I feel like this even throws that into flux a little bit. I don't know if it would be enough because if there is any chance whatsoever of him having this issue reoccur a second time, then as you said, um, he is not an asset anymore. So to me, it's almost a Mm non-issue. Like you said, I think the front office (laughs) almost has me in wait and see mode. And given the history of this uh, condition, we don't even know what the timetable for that looks like. Um, So if I had to guess or speculate, I'm going to say Brandon's not going anywhere. Um, And then as far as the other young guys, as far as our draft pick and things like that, um, I mean, based on what literally everyone who follows the Lakers has heard over the last month or two, it sounds like New Orleans doesn't want to deal with us anyway. Like it doesn't matter unless we got out of some like miracle, right? Like unless we got a top three pick, um, they're not going to deal with us. So that is what it is. I would definitely hope that we would try to be more creative versus instant gratification. Just do something because we feel this sense of urgency and pressure and things like that. But again, that's like the popular opinion, which I think most Laker fans at this point are feeling. Right. And honestly, before this injury happened, I was almost maybe like 70, 30 that the Lakers were going to trade their first round pick because there is a sense of urgency. And even given the strides that Brandon Ingram showed to close the season out, maybe we could always look back on the season and say, if it wasn't for injuries, we were that close, you know? So if we just, just trading this pick for veteran help might push us over the top. And then you add in our free agency signings, et cetera, et cetera we could definitely fortify a position next season as a playoff team, even if we encounter similar sorts of injury woes, you know what I mean? But with Brandon Ingram, a huge question mark, and maybe even out of the picture for a little bit of time, I do think now the front office has to be more judicious with that pick and maybe reprioritize things a little bit. And so now I'm kind of 70-30 the other way, actually, which is kind of crazy. But I think I'm 70-30 the other way because with how poorly this season has gone and them just giving away another asset in Zubats and then giving away Thomas Bryant at the beginning of the season for no reason, unnecessarily. It's a culmination of all these things that have piled up. Uh, I think they would have been judicious anyways, but the Brandon Ingram thing kind of definitely is that final straw that, that breaks the camel's back in terms of, okay, wait, if we trade this pick, it better be for an actual legitimate superstar, right? We can't just get... I use Robert Covington as an example. I actually think that would be a pretty good trade because Robert Covington is like a world-class defender. But 
<laughs> they would have to really think about that because anybody you trade for would also be eating into your cap space as well, right? Yeah, so, it, it can't be like a knee-jerk reaction kind of thing like Mike Muscala. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> which is what they've been doing. Yeah. So the knee-jerk reaction now is keep the pick because of what happened <laughs> with Brandon Ingram. Yeah, and I don't think too many people would be upset about that. No, absolutely. And and also... Especially with our scouting department and how well things have gone with that. Like, if anything, that's what we would trust the most. Oh, exactly. So let's talk about that. We won't get into specifics of who they draft, but with regards to if now their sights have turned to, okay, we're going to keep this pick because, one, not only to keep it as an additional asset, but just we have to make up for potentially the loss of a number two prospect. We ha- We have to find some way to recoup that value, right? Is there a certain type of player do you think they'll go for? Do you think that because maybe Brandon Ingram's out of the picture and they've they've lost that upside, do they go high upside at number 12? Or do they still try and hedge the middle and keep into account, well, we got LeBron James on this team. He didn't make the playoffs this year. We still kind of have to remain competitive. Let's do BPA, but also someone who can help us out right now. I mean, this is somewhat uncharted territory, right? Because we're either looking at number one, number two, number three, or we're late first round in recent history, right? So, I mean, the safe play is just do BPA, right? As opposed to going a little more situationally. And in terms of, like, no one's going to blame you for doing blank if they took best player available regardless of need and fit and things like that. I mean, who's going to be upset over that type of mentality? Whereas if you try to get too cute, granted, we just talked about trying to get more creative. I mean, I don't know that that to me just seems like if it's if the answer is not just like right in front of you. Um, and it, of course, at that range in the 10, 11, 12, the answer isn't right in front of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I think I tend to lean uh, BPA as opposed to getting too cute. Yeah, and for me, I think the front office has a bunch of tough questions that they're going to have to ask themselves and answer come draft day because on the one end, you you can see arguments for both sides, right? Where, well, you just lost, not definitively, but you may have just lost uh, such a high-level prospect who was only 21 years old. Does that mean maybe pick the hottest 19-year-old? You know, you go younger just so you regain that potential or... Do you just go with, all right, this guy may not have the highest ceiling and maybe he's an older prospect, but he can help us out now in terms of this guy's like a three-year college player who's already Mm. 21, you know? So those are some of the questions that the Lakers are going to have to ask themselves. So we'll see. I mean, again, it is sobering as well, just in terms of the Lakers prospects. And I don't even want to bring this up, but with regards to Brandon Ingram's next contract, what impact does that have? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that question. <laughs> I know. And it feels wrong to say the Lakers have leverage in that, mm. in those discussions now. But they do, right? And um, <laughs> I don't know what's fair and what's not fair. So far, the Lakers have proven to be an organization that treats its players well, regardless of their stupid moves. For sure. So I think they will sort of try and toe that line between doing what's best for the team and also what's fair for Brandon Ingram, given the circumstances. Yeah. I wonder if, and we're not doctors or scientists or anything, right? But I wonder for those who do have a reoccurring issue, is the average timeline for that fairly consistent? 
or does it vary from case to case? Like, could this show up again in five years just because, right? Or maybe it would take 10 years. Maybe it would take a year and a half. It just depends on the person. Or is there actually some sort of data that would suggest, okay, at a certain point, so-and-so could actually be somewhat in the clear? Granted, we're working with a very short timeline here, given his contract, of course. Well, for Mirza Toledovich, I think it happened like he was able to play after the first instance. And again, it wasn't blood clot in the upper arm. He had blood clots in his lungs, which is scarier. Mm -hmm. Um, And for Mirza Toledovich, back in 2015, he missed the final three months of the regular season to undergo his first instance of catching a blood clot in his lung. And then the second time it happened was in 2018. So 2015 was the first one. He ended that season. Then he was able to come back and play, I guess, for the next two years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe one and a half years. And then the second one happened. And then he was yeah. he was done from there. So And obviously that's one instance. <laughs> so It's one instance and it happened to his lungs again. But yeah. it's tough to tell with these things. He, he may never get it again for sure which is what we're hoping for yeah um but for the lakers who have to give out his next contract it's almost a certainty that he's not going to get max extended so from there it's like okay well what's going to be fair for brandon ingram and you probably also know that his market is not going to be very high if there's if there's a market at all you know so you kind of hold the cards in that in that respect so that'll be an interesting saga to kind of follow as well at the end of the day, like I said, I hope they toe the line between respecting Brandon Ingram. And and the other thing is you can put stipulations on this contract as well, you know, get insurance for if it occurs again, which is, I think, what the Miami Heat did with Chris Bosh. They actually got they were able to recoup some of the money that they owed him uh, because of this, because of the blood clots that he encountered. So I don't know, maybe at that point you throw Brandon Ingram a $20 million contract with um, some contingencies in place there and insurance. So, um, yeah, that's neither here nor there at this point. We're just hoping that first Brandon Ingram gets healthy and then he's able to get back onto the court and play basketball. And then we'll deal with the contract stuff when it happens a year from now or so, you know, but it's just something to keep in mind and uh, just shows you again, just the trickiness of the situation and all the tough questions that have to be answered outside of just, you know, draft picks and what we're going to do this summer. So, I mean, it's, it's a very fragile situation, but hopefully everything works out as best as possible. And, um, the rest of his career, you know, hopefully it just projects to go the way that it should go, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. With that said, we are going to turn it over to one of our sponsors now, and then we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, Alan. So let's talk about just the paradigm shift that's had to happen to us in the span of maybe three weeks when we thought we still had a chance. And then all of a sudden, oops, we got no chance. This is really depressing. The team looks lifeless, looks like they've lost their soul. Man, has this spiraled and gone down the drain very, very quickly. Um, when I talked to you pretty much at the start of the new year, you know, we were dealing with LeBron James' recent injury. We didn't know how long that was going to last. Ended up lasting for 18 games, and the Lakers continued to slide. And then the Lonzo Ball injury happened, and from there, the Anthony Davis trade rumors happened. And it was almost like in succession, all of these terrible things started to accumulate and pile up to the point where by by the time we hit all-star break 
and we were still trying to catch our bearings and um, make second half run. It was almost too late, I think, psychologically and mentally for this team, you know? And it's sad because up until that point, it had seemed like, and it still seems like actually that everybody likes each other, you know? Nobody actually hates each other on this team. They get along well, but all of the extracurricular activity that's gone on and that surrounded this team this season has been insane. And and that's not even just including all of the injuries that have piled up from LeBron, Rondo, Lonzo, now Brandon Ingram. So I guess, first generally, how have you felt about this season? Bad. <laughs> Not good, Bob. <laughs> um, you know, expectations are funny, right? Like the last few years, our team has not been good. But because our expectations have previously been so low our view of things was significantly different than it was this year. So last year we won 35 games year before that we won less year before that we won less, etc. And yet somehow, because we knew our team was awful before and we were not expecting to make the playoffs and we actually wanted to lose, at least from my perspective, I was more engaged in those times from like an emotional standpoint, uh, even, intellectually if you will while watching games this year because the expectations were significantly higher and really just high in general i mean for the last month or two or whatever i I watch every game right but that investment (laughs) it's like i'm having to conjure up the energy to to care actually and uh it's it's something that i've like I don't know, like had to come to terms with in a way where I'm watching and I'm trying to think through it and really pay close attention. But sometimes I'm just seeing the thing go by and there isn't a whole lot of brain activity, you know? Right. Um, now, are we worse than last year and the year before that? Uh, no, I mean, it's pretty much coin toss in terms of how much better or worse we are. It's the same thing, but it just seems like because we set the bar where it was and we were falling so far from that, um, there isn't a whole lot to look forward to, right? You're not really looking for progress anymore. Um, you're just trying to figure out what this team is because there doesn't seem to be any kind of vision whatsoever. And in the past, we've said, like, this team doesn't have an identity. But we knew, like, they were trying to figure it out for the long term. Like, that much we did know. Now things are so murky and unclear, it just feels very directionless. So it's like, I don't even know what to think at this point. I don't know what to anticipate. I don't know what to criticize because things could get turned over and flipped around just like that. And as a fan, very casually, like from my perspective, I feel that way, right? Imagine how the guys on the team feel. Um, so it's it's been strange. I, I can't say I've felt this exact thing at any other point in my Laker career as a, my career as a fan. (laughs) Um, And that's not to sound all doom and gloom and whatever, but it's just, it's very different and I can't put my finger on it. I felt, felt very disinterested at times. Um, Not going to lie. I've like fallen asleep during games multiple times. And I'm like, Oh, got to rewind a few minutes. Right. And I'm rewinding. I'm like, Oh my God, I fell asleep for 30 minutes. Actually. Uh, (laughs) didn't realize that. And that's not something that was happening over the last couple of years, no matter what time at night it was. 
So, um, yeah, it's it's unique to say the least. Yeah, I think in terms of how the season has ebbed and flowed, I don't think it's ever been as bipolar as it has been this season. And I think that's what makes it the strangest, right? Because it was like a steep downhill crash from pretty much the all-star break or pretty much when the Anthony Davis rumors started, right? Because up until that point, we were still, we still had that qualifier of, well, when LeBron James returns, once we get people more healthy. Even when that happened after the all-star break, it, it didn't end up mattering because the guys were so, I guess, psychologically shaken, which is weird to say because the young guys actually played pretty well coming out of the all-star break. And it was more the veterans who had to shake off whatever funk they were in with regards to being unhappy with their role, being unhappy with their minutes, with their expectations of this season. And it was almost like there was this infectious, contagious psychological illness that just wrecked and ruined the entire team. And it transferred from the young guys to the old guys, old guys back to the young guys, back to LeBron James, back to the coaching staff and Luke Walton, to the front office, to the point where one, nobody has their hands clean, and also one, nobody's healthy <laughs> from this entire season and this entire situation, which is weird to say because we were so lit coming into the season and, you know, media day and all that and the lion roars and everything that we heard. It was so exciting. And even though we started off pretty rough there, we regained our footing. And by the time Christmas Day hit, you know, we were 19 and 14, beat the Golden State Warriors, even in spite of the LeBron James injury. And we thought we were good from there, you know, and that it was just going to take time to gel. But then the injuries happened. Then the Anthony Davis stuff threw a, a wrench into things and we were never able to recover. And I think the steep drop off is what's the the weirdest part about this season. It's like up until these last few weeks, I had always had playoffs in the back of my mind or in the front of my mind. That was always the, a realistic expectation. So to all of a sudden have that slip from the grasp of our hands so quickly, it's been tough to kind of adjust and like yeah. even trying to put on our, oh, wait, we have to think about the draft again? Like, <laughs> Ugh, That was like the harshest thing, dude. I still haven't watched one video. I haven't watched one freaking video that you and Tommy have exchanged, dude. I've tried, I tried to bring myself to do it today and then I found something else to do. <laughs> it's all good, dude. I mean, we're picking up the slack for now, but um, I guess it's almost like watching a train wreck in slow motion. You kind of can't believe it's happening in front of your eyes, but by the time it's finished, the destruction has already happened. Yeah. And you're just like left with the rubble. The dust has settled for sure. The dust has settled and you're like, I thought we were going to the other end of this tunnel, but actually we just crashed into the wall. Yeah. And if I could give another analogy, it's almost, I've been trying to put my finger on the pulse of like, what's, what's a good analogy to explain how I'm feeling about this season? Because these last few weeks, man, I'm kind of like Tommy. I feel burnt out, emotionally exhausted. And it's just like, oh, man, this isn't a good feeling to have because there are other things going on in my life that I should be attending to and that I should be happy about, you know, but this has such a bearing on me right now. And, and the quick switch and having a flip flop to all of a sudden being a tanking team, it kind of reminds me of all of a sudden getting dumped. And then having to still live with that person or maybe even still <laughs> see that person, still seeing that person at work or still seeing that person at church or still living with that person because you got to finish out the contractual details of your rent agreement. They're still there. 
yeah. but everything has changed. You you don't know how to pick yourself back up again because your identity has been so embedded in this is a playoff team, this is a playoff team. Oh wait, that's not a thing anymore. But I still kind of see you right there. Yeah, <laughs> so right. What what are we right now? You know, it's very ambiguous, and there are times where you'll rationalize the situation to make it better than it is, and be like, oh, but we're still friends, right? So maybe we can still make this we're still friends thing work out. You know? Yeah. And you're trying to find ways to be positive about the close of this season. So I think that's mm, my best yeah, analogy yeah. for it in terms of having to pick yourself back <laughs> up, and it really takes time, right? It's not just a quick. Oh, draft time. All right. We're a tank team. Blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Yeah. Talk about ripping the Band-Aid off. Like, it was very abrupt. There weren't even really ups and downs, actually. Um, It just, every single game that was played, it was down. It was worse. It was worse. It was worse. And it it was exponentially worse every single time because other teams were winning above us. And we were losing to the damn teams that we were trying to pass up. So... Yeah, no, I, I think your relationship um, analogy is is pretty spot on. Um, and we know firsthand, hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's why yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like slipping through your fingers just right before your eyes, and there's, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Um, you can listen to then, a Relationships and Legacy and podcast even, coming up. Yeah. <laughs> And then you can't even just run away from it, right? Like, you have to deal with it. Um, exactly. It's going to make us all stronger, dude. It's okay. This is, we're, we're learning here. Like, <laughs> this is good for us. This is only going to make us stronger. I embrace it. It's going to make it that much sweeter when we win the championship next year. Yeah. Let's get those expectations up again. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Uh, no, but I actually have um, relationship advice. A silver lining. No, no, not relationship. Not at least not yet. Um, <laughs> since I've been able to pick myself back up here, and uh, now that the dust has settled, I've been able to reassess things and seeing how things turned out. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty now. But may I pose a question to you in terms of? Now that we've seen what's happened with regards to Lonzo Ball getting injured, LeBron James taking a little longer than usual to get up to speed and get healthy in terms of really being able to match the physicality that he's been known to bring out onto the court each and every night, and then obviously Brandon Ingram's DVT injury. Like, even if we were in playoff contention, those things would have still happened. Us being in playoff contention was not going to stop Brandon Ingram from having a DVT two weeks ago. So with that said, and in that light, and now that the Lakers all of a sudden have a chance at getting a lotto pick, which the difference at this point, you may think it's not that much of a difference, but the Lakers stand right now at 11, 12, 13. If they had made the playoffs because there are terrible teams in the East Coast who are also making the playoffs... Their, their pick would have probably been in the 18-19 range at the 8th spot in the West, you know? So you're pretty much gaining 6 spots. And that's not even to mention that they also have a larger chance at jumping into the top 4. And if there was ever a year to tank Allen, it's the year that they first do this lottery odds rejiggering of things, where the top 4, or sorry, the top 3 seeds have the same percentage at getting number 1. They all have a 14% chance to get the number one overall pick. And also they extended the lottery 
expanded the lottery to top four versus top three. So the Lakers at number 12, where they stand right now, they actually have a 7% chance at jumping into the top four this year. Um, do, you, do you remember what Cleveland's percentage was when they got the number one pick despite being like seventh place or something? Was it about the same? No. Um, so in the previous year's drafts, the where the Lakers stand right now at 12, yeah. the odds of that pick landing in the top three would have been 2.5%. Okay. So this year, the Lakers have a 7.5% to land in the top four. So That's significant. Yeah, they get a 5% bump. Right. And even in terms of um, them getting the number one pick, which is still pretty slim at the number 12 spot, in last year's draft odds, they would have had a 0.7% chance. <laughs> this year, they have 1.5%. Hey, so have... I was going to guess 1.4. Yay. Yeah, they double their odds there. And um, look, at this point, the best position to probably be in is the number seven or eight spot because that's when your percentages really hike up. So the number seven spot, they have a 32% chance at jumping into the top four. Damn. And they have a 7.5% chance at getting the number one. Damn. But at this point, I think the Lakers are too far ahead probably. to even catch that number seventh spot. Although right now, you know, they're only three or four games ahead in terms of wins from the Dallas Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies. So I guess anything could happen, but I think the Lakers are starting to find joy in basketball again. So that's going to lead to a few more wins. And also just teams are going to be resting there guys too, because we do have a difficult schedule, right? Right. And and LeBron James looks healthier (laughs) as well. So that's another huge thing. And they're not just going to shut him down. So if the Lakers stay in the 11, 12 spot, even if they stay here, it's worth it to see some more like dunk contest dunks from LeBron. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, even if the, in the worst case scenario where the Lakers stay at the number 12 spot, they have a 7.1% chance at getting into the top four where if they had made the playoffs, they'd be stuck having like the number 18 or 19 pick and, and that's it. So taking that into account that all of a sudden, oh, they're gifted a chance at the top four or even just getting a lotto pick during the first season when the NBA shifts things to the new lottery odds system where it's a little more evened out across the board. If there was ever a year to do it, do it now. I, I read a tweet where someone was like, I don't think people are ready for the amount of variance we're about to see in mm. terms of the jumble that's going to happen. So taking that into account and taking into account again that even if we were in playoff contention, we would have likely slipped in as the number eighth seed played the Golden State Warriors, which is probably always going to be the case, but now even more so, no Brandon Ingram, likely no Lonzo Ball. And even if he had Lonzo Ball, he would have been limping around, still trying to regain any semblance of athleticism that he once had and just learning how to play basketball again a little bit. Yeah. A banged-up Josh Hart. Josh Hart is freaking messed up right now, dude. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma's still working his way back. He's, from not, he's probably yeah. like 70% in reality. Yeah. So taking into account all those things, might I ask and conjecture that maybe it's for the best that the Lakers didn't make the playoffs this year because would it have been worth it to make the playoffs with a banged-up Josh Harden and a banged-up Kyle Kuzma if we weren't even going to see Brandon Ingram or Alonzo Ball because the only real benefit to us making the playoffs outside of maybe shocking the Denver Nuggets in the seventh seed was to give our young guys experience, right? But at this point, who's even left to gain that experience? And 
the guys that are left, are they even healthy enough to make it worthwhile for them or for them to have a meaningful experience in the playoffs because they're likely going to get swept or maybe win one or two games at most. So keeping that in mind, yeah, what are your thoughts on the, you know, the phrase or the thought that maybe the Lakers were better off not making the playoffs now knowing what we know in terms of the injuries that were going to happen that are unpreventable? Is this the best case, the best case scenario of a worst case scenario? Yeah. I mean, had we made it, it would have felt a lot like, and we've, you guys have probably said it before, Kobe, Nash, and Dwight when Kobe tore his Achilles. Like, okay, yeah, they freaking made the playoffs and got swept by the Spurs with half of a team. So what was the point of that, right? It would have been the same thing this year, but um, yeah, it would have been the same thing. So um, given how everything shook out, there really wouldn't have been much of a benefit to this team especially because you know you can make the argument oh well you know culture and habits and playoff experience and da 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 well guess what the young core that needs that growth wouldn't even be participating in the damn thing mm-hmm. so yeah. if anything you're you're taxing lebron's body right yes. even more um and then you have our litany of characters trying to support him and that's pretty much it so in that sense, um, it's like still hard to wrap my head around the entire situation and like just sum sure. up the point, you know, very finely. But um, as you said, given what we know now, um, I don't want to say blessing in disguise because you don't want guys to get hurt, but this outcome is is not so bad because what was the potential anyway? Yeah, it would have been more of a fruitless venture if we had waltzed into the playoffs, yeah, with a banged-up LeBron, banged-up Kuzma, banged-up Josh Hart. It would have just been for optics, and at that point, it might even be bad optics because, like you mentioned, it would have looked like, potentially, that Dwight Howard, Steve Blake, Darius Morris, Andrew Goudlock, (laughs) first-round sweep against the Spurs when we got the seventh seed, and we just... What are the repercussions? This is going through the motions. It was was almost like we made it by accident. All right, well, now let's just, like, get this thing over with. Yeah, it was in vain. The only thing that I can think of that would have benefited us maybe is that it maybe extends some of LeBron's legacy marks in terms of streaks. Like, oh, this is the 16th time he's made the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But at that point, I think LeBron's also just content to rest his his body. Oh, yeah, dude. His legacy is secured. (laughs) Exactly. He said it even at the beginning of the season. And I think that's an important thing that you brought up just in terms of now he's going to have a full off season to For rest the first time like ever. <laughs> exactly. But also Lonzo Ball is maybe going to have a full off season as well where let's say he tried to limp into the playoffs Which he and then he re-injures would've. himself. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Then he would have I think the last two off seasons he hasn't had the full two or three months into training camp to really work on his basketball skills and improve his body and everything like that. It's always been cut short or kind of been half-assed because of whatever ailments he's been dealing with, right? So hopefully, because he's recovering right now, he won't have to play any more basketball, and they've pretty much essentially shut him down for the rest of the season. Yeah, because he had a a quote the other day. I'm sure you read it where he said, like, this is the first time I'm actually going to have a full off-season, you know, to be healthy and just uh, focus on improving my game, so... Right, so that even that's a blessing in disguise, just having a full off-season for Lonzo Ball to not only rest and recover, but also actually work on 
improving his skills that he set out to improve upon, maybe even this past season, you know? Um, that goes for Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart as well. Josh Hart, whatever he's dealing with, it's it's not going to get better unless he rests his well, body. Yeah, they said, I think they said he needs surgery for his tendonitis. Exactly. It's a chronic, it's a chronic thing at this point. So, I mean, for all these guys, even if we extend it outside of the the outside of the physical it seems like these guys just need a mental break as well they seem burnt out mentally from all the hoopla that happened at the trade deadline and almost getting shipped out to new orleans and for them also having to do this paradigm shift of well am i a laker how long am i going to stay a laker <laughs> they've all just had such an unstable and unconventional experience in the nba thus far not that there is like a cookie cut you know, thing that's supposed to be laid out for every rookie. But I would say for our guys in particular, this has deviated from the script probably more so than most. Yeah, and I think they've done their best to take it in stride oh, and for try sure. and rebound, especially with Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma playing out of the all-star break pretty solidly and for Brandon Ingram playing like an all-star. But there's only so much you can do when your team becomes so fragmented as this team has from top to bottom. You know, not just the young guys, but also the veterans, Luke Walton, the coaching staff, and then the front office where heading into this season, the one positive or one of the things that was lauded about this next generation with regards to the front office was everything was connected from top to bottom, right? Every Everybody was in sync. There's that synergy all of that was lost with the Anthony Davis trade rumors. And so now, and that's the other thing I want to bring up that's a positive, the front office. <laughs> Seeing how <laughs> terribly and abysmally this season went for them, it allows them to literally, they're forced, Alan, to just look in the mirror, sit their asses down and reflect, you know, self-reflection at this point. And is, is that a bad thing with regards to if we had made the playoffs and maybe even if we had gotten out of the first round, they may we, we may have been able to sweep under the rug all of their bad signings and not even putting contingency plans on those bad signings. Maybe we wouldn't be talking about the Zubats trade as much because we had, you know, leapfrogged the Clippers into the playoffs. And maybe all would have been semi-well, right? But now everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for them. And it's because of the moves and decisions they made this season. And now they have to actively reflect on each and every one of those. And to put it simply, be better, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they definitely have to uh, evaluate their own performance. Um, I guess the tough thing is, you know, leadership starts at the top, right? So who exactly is holding them accountable for the decisions they've made? Um, structurally, organization, structurally and organizationally, like that's Jeannie, right? Um, so then you look at her relationship with them and what does accountability actually look like in terms of holding them to a certain standard from a basketball perspective, it's really them holding themselves accountable. Um, so one would hope that they're humble enough <laughs> to look at their past decisions and then make adjustments from there and not dig their heels into the ground and say, well, you know, our intentions were this and that. And because of certain circumstances, it didn't work out. Therefore, our system and our decisions actually were not flawed. That would obviously be very arrogant on their part. So that's like the worst case scenario. Um, 
I, I would hope that they have enough people talking to them, you know, in their ears to suggest that, hey, you may really need to take a step back here and be objective and uh, just be honest with yourselves and um, be humble enough to actually make some changes that would contradict what you really believed in last year. Well, Alan, I think that's why I bring up that maybe this season burning and crashing as badly as it did actually helps them do that. Because even if there isn't any accountability at top, which is an issue in and of itself, well, the whole league is keeping them accountable at this point because it's been such a train wreck that everybody's telling them, hey, this was a bad move, this was a bad move, this was a bad move, and we could have told you that six months ago. So why did you do the things you did Mm -hmm. and in the fashion that you did it in? So it's almost like, well, they can't hide from anybody now because of how badly everything ended up turning out or how spectacularly they ended up failing. Everybody's pointing the finger at them now. So they're under an even more intense scrutiny. And, And these guys are, again, this is their first go at it, you know, in terms of being general manager and basketball of operations, et cetera. So these are essentially rookies, no matter how embedded they've been in basketball culture and the basketball industry in general. With regards to general managing and building a team, they're pretty green. And if things had sort of worked out in the best case scenario, that may have hid some fundamental flaws they have as decision makers, right? Mm-hmm. Where now at least we're, we're cutting it in the bud. We're nipping it in the bud, Alan. And <laughs> like, look how poorly it went. You cannot deny that this failed. Yeah, and if you're going to do it, do it early on yeah. rather than later, right? Because at least now they have time to turn things around because it's still early on in this process. Think of if this had happened two years, three years into LeBron James' tenure here. LeBron James has a player option for that fourth year, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I know, maybe Lakers fans don't want LeBron James when he's 36, 37, but whatever. It's just like an asset lost at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad in a way that everything crashed and burned so spectacularly that the front office has to be better in every little single detail that they touch and handle this offseason. And, and if they're not up to the task, then... We need to make some changes, you know? We need to make some changes regardless, and maybe that's one of the first things that they need to come to grips with, that they should find a shooting coach, you know? They need to find better analytics people, maybe. Uh, Maybe Rob Palinka doesn't know everything, clearly, and that he needs better advice and counsel around him. Thank God for Bill Burtka pretty much screaming at the Lakers draft people and Rob Palinka to draft Kyle Kuzma, draft Kyle Kuzma. I don't know if you (laughs) saw that, that article, but... I read an article stating that uh, Bill Burtka, at every draft meeting the Lakers held, all he would do was yell that the Lakers needed to draft Kyle Kuzma because I think the quote was, if this guy's not an NBA player, then I've never seen one. Draft Kyle Kuzma. (laughs) So we need to get more people like that. Like with an air horn to work every day and like big old signs and like t-shirts made already. Yeah. (laughs) He's like almost 90 years old. We we need more of them. We need more of those guys in our freaking organization. We do, we do. So, yeah, again, that's another added silver lining to this, another blessing in disguise. Yeah, I I hope, you know, reasonably speaking, yes, that's all of that logically checks out. It's just egos (laughs) are a tricky thing, right? And they can make excuses for themselves, I think. I'm sure they could find, and I know this sounds extremely negative, but... If they truly believed in their vision and it clearly failed, 
they could still somehow find a way to make excuses for themselves, such as, oh, well, you know, if the injuries didn't happen, da 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 da, da then who knows what might have gone down. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping, obviously, that they have um, higher self-awareness, you know, than that, and they are humble enough, but I, I could see people in power just believing so strongly in what they said that it would be difficult for them to waver from that position. Exactly. And so, it, it would really take someone else that they trust to tell them and be real, you know, and say like, no, you you got to pivot. So hopefully that's the case or hopefully they realize it themselves, like you said. Yep. So they've got a tall order ahead of them, but I'm glad they know that the decks are stacked against them. Everybody is looking at each and every move they make under a microscope. I mean, they, they were doing that already and they decided to make every terrible decision that they did anyway. But now hopefully they safeguard and foolproof their own decisions, you know, put guardrails on themselves so that if they make a questionable move, Alan, hopefully they have a contingency backup plan for that with their next move. I think that's the one thing they didn't do well at all this season. Okay, if you want to sign Rondo and JaVale, fine. But also sign like a a good backup plan to counteract that in case it doesn't go wrong. That's what the the front office has done terribly this season, where it's like, I can even understand the rationale behind some of their moves, but why didn't you have a backup plan for that when you could easily have hedged your bets with the next signing you made? But instead, we kept doubling down on on bad moves and questionable fits with with LeBron James and the roster. KCP, higher low kind of guy, we don't know. Yeah. Even though he ended the season well last season, well, last year. Lance Stevenson, high and low, up and down kind of guy. We don't know. JaVale McGee, same deal. Rajon Rondo. And then top it all off with Michael Beasley. Not once did you think, all right, I already signed Rajon Rondo. Maybe it's time to go for a more conventional move and get a shooter. If you're going to make sort of they risky... They seem to hold their convictions very strongly. Sure. They like quadruple down <laughs> on this meme team. And, and again, like squad. that's yeah. why it brings me back to this potentially because we don't know arrogance factor that's that's true because someone who's arrogant isn't going to say well if this fails they're going to say no it's not going to fail because we know what we're doing it's like okay and that goes back to what magic and palenko were lotting about in the offseason when they made it sound like they had found the cheat code to beating the warriors by not surrounding lebron with shooters and by yeah, when you Going zig, with will all zag. Playmakers. Yeah, exactly. And um, little did they know you didn't have to look at it in such a black and white fashion and you can hedge yourselves in the middle and do both. Find a playmaker who can shoot. What a novel concept. Um, but anyways, we can get into more detail with regards to the front office the next few months because Getting Alan, angry, we've got dude. time on our hands. <laughs> I, I know you are. I know you are. Um, but we'll leave it at that because in summary, I know this has been a convoluted segment, but my thesis statement for this entire thing was given the circumstances, given what we know now with the injuries that did end up occurring and that wouldn't have been prevented, even if we were in play, still in playoff contention, maybe this was the best case scenario for the Lakers. And maybe we will get more out of this. I don't even want to call it a tank situation, but yeah, maybe we'll get more out of the situation we now find ourselves in. Then if we just, kind of waltzed into the playoffs not at full strength both physically and mentally you know yeah i agree with that for sure all right with that said i think we'll close our show right there as usual follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please rate interview us on itunes yada yada we're on spotify patreon.com 
Alan's not dead. Woohoo. <laughs> Catch you later, Alan. Later, dude. See you again soon, maybe, sometime? Uh, I hope so. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try my best, man, you know? <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.